about 70 years ago, which I guess is before almost all of you were born. I think I can see one person here who was actually alive then. Where? You were born 70 odd years ago. Anyway, that's what I ought to say, you don't look so old, but never mind. I was taken rather reluctantly to a service that my father was going to. I guess a set of congregation about this size. And uh, I didn't want to go, but he took me. And uh, I was about 12 years of age at the time. And he took me because he wanted to hear a friend, he wanted me to hear a friend of his speak. And um, so we went along to the service. And this man got up, and for about 10 minutes, he spoke a word by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that was really gripping the hearts of the people. You could tell that. Suddenly, he did what I'm doing, he stopped. He waited for a few minutes, just stopping there, not even moving his lips. And then to everybody's consternation, he stepped off the platform, walked out of the door, into the street and disappeared. Uh, the people were so stunned because the people have specifically gone to hear him. He just disappeared after 10 minutes. And I can promise you, from the best of my memory all those years ago, nobody moved at all for about five minutes. And then suddenly the door flung open, and this man walked in again, the preacher, accompanied by a young man. And they came to the front, and rather abruptly, the, the preacher said, kneel down there. So he knelt down in front of the pulpit and the preacher led him to the Lord, caused him to pray a prayer and he said, right, now go and sit down there. And no one could work out what was happening because all that happened then was that having prayed, he then got up and started preaching again. And um, afterwards my father naturally asked him what had happened. And the Holy Spirit had said, leave this church. That's all he said, leave the church now. So he left the church, walked out of the door. He didn't explain. And the Holy Spirit said, go to the end of the street. Turn left. Turn right. Stop at that door. Go up the garden path and open the front door. So he did that in, to a house. And to his amazement, I guess... He found a young man about to commit suicide by hanging himself from the banister of the, of the stairway. So he cut him down, or undid the rope, or whatever he did, I don't know. Brought him to church, he gave his heart to the Lord, became a preacher of the gospel. That could only happen by the work of the Holy Spirit in our yeah. lives. And I'll say right at the beginning, we deny ourselves and we deny the church a significant part of what God wants us to have and become if we don't make ourselves available 
to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. I have to stay near enough to hear what he says and then strong enough in faith or obedient enough to do what he says. Near enough to hear. It was said about Jesus that he only did what he saw his father do and he only said the things he heard his father say. So this morning, we're coming sort of of to the end and, and yet I don't know. Um, because since January, we've been dwelling in the uh, first letter of Paul's, first chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians and the subsequent chapters. He probably wrote about five letters to the Corinthian church. He wrote a minimum of three, and we don't have them on record, any of them, because the Holy Spirit chose not to, for some reason, I don't know. But these words are written as holy men of God will move by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. So, so we are satisfied and are content with what the Holy Spirit says in his word. Amen. And why did I say that, David? You should be alert enough to get me back on track here. Yes, so... We were... Yes, I'm back in Corinthians, aren't I? So Paul was now in Ephesus. And he gets worried. He's planting a church in Ephesus. He's been away from Corinth. And he he hears some news that dismays him. And so he, probably by striding up and down and having someone dictate what he says, he writes a rather strong letter of correction and direction to the church at Corinth. Now, what had happened there is that Liberty had become licensed in terms of the Holy Spirit. What had happened is, was that instead of the church here penetrating the world there, the world outside were penetrating the herb, were penetrating the church, and there was all sorts of things going on in the church of Corinth that were not correct. So Paul is correcting them, and then there would have been various replies and counter replies and so on. So. In particular, one of the subjects he raises was their abuse of spiritual gifts. And he teaches them that the abuse of the gifts should not result in disuse, but in proper use. And as I say, at Corinth, freedom had become a readiness to do anything that they thought the Holy Spirit had said, but often were in error. So all I'm going to do this morning is to highlight some of the headlines, including what we've heard over the last few Sundays and so on from David Sherman and others. Some of the headlines so that we all can better understand the challenge and responsibilities which accompany the use and operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And And what I said, do you remember what I said? And use the gifts. What that he provides. We, how many of you know, we serve a God of infinite generosity who wants the best for us. Now, many of us over the years, it's sad to say this, many of us, many of us as individuals, many of us as a church have found it more comfortable to ignore the gifts of the Spirit. And in doing so, we impoverish ourselves in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to do some readings now to set the tone for this, and Magdy's going to take us through the readings. Uh, Would you stand with me to read the word of the Lord? Let's read together. 
Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. Let's, let's say that again. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now that, as we're going to say that again, I want you to think of this. To each one, look around. Look around. Okay, start pointing to each other. Okay? To you. To you. To you. To each and every one. One to you. Well, doesn't matter. My my voice is loud enough. To each and every one. So you start saying now to me. To me. To me, the Holy Spirit will give a manifestation, and then look around you for the common good. Jesus came so that he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. So take a moment now. Open your heart. Open your hands. Say, Jesus, I want you to baptize me today with your Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit, I want your manifestation today for the common good. I open myself, I open my heart. Have your way. Amen. Let's continue this. Uh, no, go back to number seven. Okay. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one that is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Following God. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. He distributes them to each one as He determines. Amen. Yeah. Just think again for a minute. Sit down, please. Just think again of that word manifestation. 
the Greek is phanerosis, which literally means a shining out. I mean, this is really rather exciting, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit should use to indwell us, fill us, surround us, help us, guide us, but that he uses us as a channel for his blessing. From us there is a shining out, phanerosis, as a shining out of the power and the glory of God. Don't you find that exciting? Yes. From you, no matter how bad you feel, because the, the gifts are the gifts of God's grace, he can still shine out through us, even when we're feeling down, even when we're feeling rotten, even when we're feeling at a low ebb, he shines out from us and gives a manifestation, a phanerosis of his presence. What I'm going to do this morning, as I say, is to just pick six headlines out and comment on each one of them, and then Magni will interrupt me as he wishes, really. Or if he doesn't come and interrupt me, he won't. He'll sit in, but he'll close it down at the end. The first headline is the word variety. I'm glad we don't serve a beige God. I don't like beige. I'm sorry if any of you are wearing beige this morning, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> shall I take shall I take shall I take them off? God is a God of infinite colour and variety. And by making these gifts available to us, He makes provision for every situation that we may find ourselves in. Now the, the Greek for um this word, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is the Greek we know, charismata, which simply means the gifts of God's grace. They are given, remember, without merit, not reliant on your feelings or your standing before God or what you've done wrong this week. God can still use you. They're given without merit on our part. Now, the Bible tells us there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm just doing this to set the scene for what will happen, we trust, later on. First of all, there are three gifts of revelation. And God shows us something. A word of wisdom, usually something still to come. A word of knowledge, something that has happened. Or a gift of discerning of spirits to discern whether we're in the presence of an evil spirit or a Holy Spirit. There are three gifts of inspiration. The gift of tongues, not speaking in tongues, but the supernatural gift of tongues. I don't have time to explain that, maybe for later on. I don't mean later this morning, so don't get worried. <laughs> tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And there are finally three gifts of demonstration. Faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. Now, let me just emphasize something here. My attempt to categorize these into their various parts is okay, but it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible because, well, first of all, it's in my mind because I'm just trying to help you realize what each gift is specifically for. But what we see in the Bible and from experience is that these gifts are meant to flow together as the Holy Spirit leads. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to put everything in a box and categorize them. David said to us, said to me the other day, something happened in his life. What, which gift was that? I said, I ain't got a clue. It was several working together. So we must be open to the Holy Spirit to use these, remember, severally as he will. 
And David Chairman, if you remember, was here last week. It wasn't bad, was it, for an old man? Uh, and um, well, actually, slightly younger than me, but it's always good fun to be around, is David. And then we've been friends for hundreds of years. And David mentioned a man in the scripture called Ananias, a simple, ordinary man, a simple disciple that God used to bring about the salvation of the Apostle Paul, of Saul, or into the Apostle Paul. I mean, an ordinary man used probably six, five or six, certainly, gifts of the Spirit, supernaturally, on one occasion to accomplish this task. And if you read that, that account properly, you'll read how those gifts sort of blend together. He doesn't categorize them. Now I'm going to give you a word of knowledge. Now I'm going to say what you should do. Now this is what God is saying to you about the future. He didn't do that. By the way, giving a word of prophecy is not foretelling. It's foretelling the mind and the will of God. So Ananias found he was operating these gifts in a multifaceted way, a multicolored way, because we have a multicolored and multifaceted faceted God. The second heading is called preparation. Now I'm glad to see you all today, genuinely. All of you. Even you, Toffic boys on the front row. I'm glad to see you all today, but why are you here? Well, let me just say, whatever reason you're here, you should come prepared. Whether you're leading the service, hosting, or whatever you call it. I don't like it when we say MC the service. Sounds like you're doing a pop concert or something like that. I used to like pop, but that was years and years ago. That was in the rock and roll days. Um, what was I saying? Preparation. Eh? Preparation. Whether you're leading, whether you're preaching, whether you're leading the worship, or whether you've just come to get a blessing from God, that's fine. You just come to hear what God says to you. All that's fine. But can I suggest you all need time to prepare for what God is going to say to you this morning. So don't shout at your wife, kick the cat, or the other way around, on on the way out of your home and then come to church and expect God immediately to be on your side. Hang on a minute. You just need to be alert to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So, as the Boy Scouts say, be prepared. Can I say here that the preparation of us to come into the house of God to receive from Him is not just for the preacher. But I'm saying here to those who lead the service this morning, to those like David and others who have the opportunity and the worship team Seek God to see. It requires just as much time, or should require just as much time to prepare yourself to lead a service as it does me to preach the word to you this morning. It needs to to receive from the Holy Spirit at whatever level you are here requires the same preparedness of the heart and the mind so that we receive something from God. So don't, when things start to move, and the Holy Spirit, don't retreat in this into the sanctity of your written program. That's the problem sometimes. We write a program, we we schedule things to the minute, 
and we don't allow time for the Holy Spirit. So leave time for the Holy Spirit to work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26 says, When we come together, we come with a hymn, a word of instruction, a word of revelation, a tongue. And notice how it ends. For the benefit of the church rather than yourself. It will bless you, but we are here. As a, God said to Abraham, did he not? Abraham, I'm going to incredibly bless you, but I want to do that so you will be a blessing. And the reason God gives us anything, whether it's a gift of the Spirit or blesses us financially or blesses us in whatever way he does, is so that we in turn can pour out as he has poured into us. So preparation. I once asked a friend of mine, we were about, Gretel and I were about to go to a church in Kent to preach on a Sunday. And I asked another friend of mine before I go, and it, it had the reputation of being a fairly nutty church, nutty in a sort of strange, charismatic way. And um, I said to my friend, how do, I, how do you prepare to preach at a church like that? He said, the important thing to remember, Ron, you don't prepare to preach, you, you prepare yourself. You prepare your heart. Before you start preparing anything, you prepare yourself to see what the Holy Spirit is going to say in you and through you on that Sunday morning. As it so happens, the Holy Spirit had different ideas to what I had. Because when we were, when we were Gretel and I were travelling together, we were just crossing the Dartford Bridge. Gretel said to me, I think I've got a word from the Lord this morning. So I said, what is it? You know, she said, well, I just have a scripture. Now, and we've been trying to remember what it is, and we can't remember. It might have been a psalm or something like that. It was a specific scripture that God said she should bring to the congregation that morning. So we get to church. It's an outstanding meeting. Uh, worship's great. Everything is great. And in a, a moment of time, when there was an obvious sense of the presence of God, Gretel got up, walked to the front, and in a prophetic way, there's no better by, way, by the way, to speak to a congregation in using the Spirit-inspired Word of God. So if all, gives you, if all God gives you is a scripture, get up and read it. Yes. Uh, and God will quicken it and make it alive again to you. So it will bless the people and glorify the name of Jesus. So we're at Maidstone, we're in the service. I virtually did not get to preach after Gretel had read that scripture. I did try, I don't think I did very well. Uh, people will, that were there will remember Gretel's word and not my preaching. So that shows you the importance. And what happened when Gretel read that scripture out, there was absolute consternation in the church. I think the pastor fell off his chair, but he, he always was doing that anyway. Uh, and... Um, Anyway, he said afterwards, I saw there was obviously something happening. So he told me afterwards that they had a, a chaotic week. And there were all sorts of things happening in the church, probably a bit like Corinth without the sexy bits. Okay, so it's probably a bit like Corinth. So he said, in the church that week, we had a, a significant problem to deal with. And I took it very personally, and I, we really weren't sure what to do. So we said to the Lord, Lord, we desperately need to hear from you. And they said to the Lord, which I don't always advocate, but there you are, God honours our faith. 
He said, Paul said, Paul, by the way, was the guy in charge of the church, not the apostle Paul. Paul said, um, Lord, we need to hear that scripture on Sunday morning or we don't know what to do. We genuinely don't know what you are saying. How many of you know what's coming next? That was the exact scripture that Gretel read. Given to her her across the M25 bridge. Okay? And it it transformed that church because they needed to hear at that particular time that scripture. God honored their faith. God communicated by his Holy Spirit to Gretel. And that's why I'm saying be prepared. We we always need to be prepared. Now, let me just say, you make mistakes. So if God only gives you two words, then get up and say those two words. Don't pad it out with your own words. Just say what God is saying to you. You'd be amazed at the testimonies I could bring of people that got up and gave just three or four words, gave one sentence, and it revolutionized people's lives. And I remember being in one church. Susie said, I shouldn't tell this on second service, by the way. When Susie said, or when anybody says, don't say that, you know what will happen, don't you? So we're in a church not far away from here. And this lady would often, dear lady, she would often read out bits of the scripture as a, a prophetic word. And so she did this Sunday morning. But she read it a bit wrong. Now that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. Just have a good laugh and carry on. And pretend to do better, uh, not pretend, determine to do better <laughs> next time. <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, determine to do better next time. And she got up and she got a word wrong. And she said, the Lord says this morning that we should abstain from sexual immortality. And before there could be guffaws from the church, I was just about ready to have a good guff, or guffaw, or whatever the word is. She, she paused for a minute and she said, hold on a minute, I, the Lord, have made a mistake. <laughs> I didn't mean you are to abstain from sexual immortality, you are to ex- abstain from sexual immorality. <laughs> And again, you know, okay, it was a good laugh later on, but God was bringing a word. She got it wrong because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the Holy Spirit never takes over your personality. He uses the channel, flawed as it is, he uses us as a channel to communicate what he wants in a way that we do it. How many of you know that, oh, can I pick on? How many of you know that if Gretel and I were working together, Gretel would speak softer and more kindly than I do. Because God uses the channel that he has at his disposal and that has been surrendered to him. He doesn't manipulate us. The Holy Spirit doesn't waggle your tongue around and make you say something. So you can never say the Holy Spirit may be nonsense. The Holy Spirit never makes you. He equips you and he inspires you. And it's up to you whether you're obedient enough. Remember what I said? Near enough to hear what he says, obedient enough to do what he says. Number three, we are told to stay full of the Holy Spirit. And that word is a continuous word. Stay filled, be filled, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That word eagerly desire is from a Greek word which means to pursue with determination and passion. And then, make, then, of course, equally important, make use of what he's given you. Because if we don't use the gift that he's given us, we will, we will grieve the Holy Spirit. And the danger is that just as the children of Israel, if they didn't move when the cloud moved, were left in a sort of spiritual no-man's land in the wilderness, so the Holy Spirit will leave us, leave us, I may, I don't use that word in a radical sort of way, but the Holy Spirit will go and find another channel to use. He'll go somewhere else and find someone else that he can use. Remember again, he doesn't force himself on us. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will open to you. And remember again that these are continuous words. Ask and continue to ask. Be persistent. You don't... You don't Disturb the Holy Spirit. Remember the scripture, uh, where is it now? About this guy, he disturbs the fellow at night and he keeps knocking at his door. And this, uh, this guy says eventually, oh, I better get up. You know that, you know the feeling. Don't you? I better get up because he's going to weary me. God wants us to operate like that. Be persistent. Seek and continue to seek. Knock and continue to knock until the door is open to you. Now remember... In Mark 1.8, John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but he will, that will come after we baptize with the Holy Spirit. That is why we often say that baptism in water, where we are immersed in water, as a sign of our commitment to God, uh, leaving the old life of Egypt behind. All Egyptians are worth leaving behind, but that's another story. <laughs> leaving the old life of Egypt behind and stepping forward into our future when we come up out of the water. And to have a baptism, or really we use that baptism in water as a type of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because three elements need to be present. You need to have the person doing the baptizing, let's say me. You have to have the person who is waiting to be baptized, say that's that empty bottle. And you have to have a container full of water into which that person is going to be baptized. You get that? Yeah. So three elements. Now there, there is one essential difference. So here, here, come, here comes the baptism in water. I, the minister or whoever, get hold of the person concerned and I dip them under the water like that, and I pull them out, and they come out dripping with water. What's wrong with the type, that's another type here, what's wrong with that bottle? Apply that to the baptism in the Holy Spirit that God wants to give us all, so that we can become operators. Have I said it already? Remember that we first of all receive the giver, that is the Holy Spirit. Then we receive the gifts, the gifts flow out of that wellspring. So what's wrong with, with the type here? Baptism in water again, we plunge the, the person under the water and bring them out. I'll tell you a few stories about that process, dropping people and so on. Uh, so bring them out. So what's wrong with that as a type, as a lesson in typology? What's wrong with that? No, I don't want you answering because you heard me the first service. 
What's wrong? What, what are they, what's missing from, from your experience that will make it similar to being baptized in the Holy Spirit? What's wrong? Bernard's trying, struggling to tell me. If you're not, I want to say so. Sorry? Ah, Bernard said, it's okay as a baptism, but the bottle's not filled. So if I take the cap off, can someone hear me? Can we take away the barriers that cause us to be a little worried about the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we run a bit scared because we're entering the world, this strange world of the supernatural. Anything from God ain't going to do you any harm. He's only concerned for your good. He wants you to be blessed and be a blessing. So if I take away the obstruction, whatever that obstruction is, and then I do that process again, Remember when you're being baptized in water, as you go under the water, and I advise you not to, not to open your mouth. <laughs> but it's a bit different when you're being baptized. You put the, the person, remember this time, I'm Jesus because I'm the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer. The element is not water, it's the Holy Spirit. The person is still the same. So I take the person, I plunge them into the Holy Spirit. Bubble, bubble, bubble. And what happens? That is full and should, as we go to the Holy Spirit and the Father day by day, should remain filled. It, the, the water is in the bottle and the bottle is in the water. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's how we are. We're not just in the Holy Spirit and then out again. We're not just filled with the Holy Spirit and then emptied again. We are, we are in and remaining in. That's the sense of the Greek. Do you understand? Uh, when I take, uh, in modern Greece, I think, when a, a, a person, I don't suppose they do it much these days, takes a cloth and wants to make that cloth a different colour, they get hold of the cloth and they immerse it in the dye so that every part of that material is saturated with the element, with the water. That's how the Holy Spirit wants to treat us. He wants us to be filled, saturated, I'll use the word possessed, you know what I'm talking about, possessed by the Holy Spirit, so that we will all of us become everything that he wants us to be. Isn't it exciting? Can someone be excited this morning? The, the, the Holy Spirit uh, and Jesus and God himself, Father God, is committed to us for being the best people we can become and being the person that he made us to, to be and wants us to be. Isn't that worth it? Isn't that worth it? Now, don't forget, if occasionally you applaud, it takes away my time, so be, be nice to it. And it doesn't give your dad time afterwards, so don't applaud. You can applaud him when he's done it. The fourth point is, we need to be alert and be sensitive. Did you notice in the life of Jesus when he's going about walking up the roads and lanes of Galilee and so on, he deals with people at the point of their need in different ways. I said earlier on, God, like Jesus, like the Holy Spirit, is a multifaceted God. He's a multifaceted Saviour. 
So he's dealing with people as he feels their need to be dealt with. It's always good for any of us when we pray with people to know what we're praying for. As I've had people pray some hilarious wrong prayers at the wrong time. I won't go into those details before your lunch. But anyway, never mind. Uh, no, I won't. Um, I'm struggling here. But, uh, no, I won't say it. Uh, you wouldn't let me. Um, well, I'm, I'm being alert, aren't I? I'm trying to be sensitive. But you need to know the wisdom of the Holy Spirit when you pray for someone. So it's good to ask the person, what do you want me to pray with you for? Or, and, ask the Holy Spirit, how can I pray? Remember in the, in, when Jesus was visiting Peter's mother-in-law. The Bible says Peter's wife's mother, so I guess the, the Bible doesn't like to use the word mother-in-law. I don't know, but I don't know why. Peter's <laughs> wife's mother, it sounds a bit of a handful, a bit of a mouthful. And she had a fever. Jesus obviously discerned there was something different from a normal healing that was required. So Jesus does what? He rebukes the fever. If you want to use the word cast it out, you can do that. It's the same. He rebukes the fever and immediately the fever leaves her. He could have prayed for healing. He chose not to. He cast out whatever that was that was, that was helping her. I remember my dad, uh, again, I would have been maybe 10 at the time, in a church up in the north of England. One morning, a lady brought her baby in for dedication. Well, she really brought him in for baptism. But my dad says, look, we don't baptize here, but we dedicate children to the Lord and pray over them. She said, that'll be fine. So as my father is holding the child in his arms, he noticed there was something wrong. The child did not ever open its eyes during this process of dedication. So he said to the mother, what's wrong with his eyes? And the mother said, well, his eyes have never opened. They will not open because the eyes are badly formed in the sockets and therefore there's nothing medical science can do. So my father, on the impulse of the Holy Spirit, spoke a word of faith in a form of a prophetic word and said, we give this child to you, Lord, it will see again, it will see again. That was all. And the mother took the child home with no apparent change. And the mother, maybe I don't know how she was feeling, but you see, it's not about feeling sometimes, it's about faith. What have you got faith for today, for yourself, for your family, for other people? And so the mother took it home, and when she was feeding the baby in the afternoon, the baby opened two lovely blue eyes. So that, again, I say, when you, when you work on these gifts of the Holy Spirit, what have you got there? So David asked me the question the other day, uh, in detail something that happened, and said, which gift is that? I said, I haven't got a clue. It's give different gifts work together. And here in my father's case, there was certainly a miracle because there was a, there was a, um, a creative act of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So there was a gift of faith. He spoke the word of faith. The child will live and spoke it in a prophetic word. Yes. I wish I could say that something good came. The, 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 the lady never came to the church again. But God knows. God knows what happened to that child. Oh, you could just, all we can do... It, 
We sometimes get a bit despondent when nothing happens when we pray. The Bible, doesn't the Bible say, where is it, Magni Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Cast your bread upon the waters, uh, and it will be seen the day after tomorrow. Is that what it says? It will be seen after many days. How many days? I don't know. God, I think David said last week, if not, he often says it, God is never in a hurry. God is never late. He's always right on time. Not his time, not your time, but his time. All right? So I remember Gretel and I, a couple came to our home in Watford. And... Um, they both were doctors. He was from a Hindu, a Hindu Indian background. The wife was from a, a Southern Ireland Catholic background. And they were both doctors, and he was a surgeon. Through the surgery they had been performing a couple of weeks before, he had contracted hepatitis C, we think it is, and that meant he could never operate again because he could never be rid of that infection. He could never actually open someone again. He could function maybe as a doctor in some GP form, but he could never function again as a surgeon. Naturally, he was distraught. So as Gretel and I were praying for them, there was a barrier there. We could not pray. We could not find a way through until eventually we said, we believe there is something in your home that ought not to be there. And if you clean your home up, God will clean you up. And we sent them home. Two days later, they called back. And they said that God had shown them 12 religious artifacts in their home that they were convicted about. And so they did what they should do. They didn't give them away or sell them. They broke them up. Okay, so if you've got something in your home that shouldn't be there, get rid of it, but don't give it to someone else, burn it or smash it. That's what the Bible said they did in the New Testament. They brought the amulets and artifacts and this sort of thing. Anyway, this couple cleared their home of all these things. Something was wrong when they asked the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit showed them which things. We could get a bit silly about these things, but don't, don't worry about it. But the Holy Spirit showed them which ones should be got rid of. Two days later, they went to the hospital for tests, and his blood was as clear as the day he was born. Now, again, and he, he went back to surgical procedures. Again, it was the Holy Spirit. It was a word of wisdom. Mm -hmm. It was a gift of discerning of spirits. Uh, you call it a gift of faith, if you like. This will happen, this will happen. I don't mind what you call it. They don't mind what you call it. Yeah. They were freed. Remember the, 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 the ear of the high priest when they arrested Jesus? And one gospel, it says they cut his ear off. And another one says the injured is here. And Jesus healed that ear, or he did a creative miracle and replaced the ear. We don't know which he did, which it was. I ain't bothered, and the man with the ear ain't bothered either. <laughs> He's got two ears. And, uh, but it, so I would just say, in answer to your question, which I know you're not asking, but I'm going to answer it anyway. If Jesus just laid his hand on the ear and said, Lord, as we do, it's fine. 
Father, I want you to heal this here in the name of Jesus. And they healed it fine. And this occasion, if, there was, if the ear had fallen off onto the ground or had disappeared in the dust, Jesus could have just as easily created a new ear, a new, a new ear here, a new ear. So uh, whichever you say, it was a creative miracle of Jesus or it was a healing. And again, we shouldn't worry about what it is and which it should be. Uh, we just remember that it is the Holy Spirit at work and we thank him for that. The next and the most important to operate the gifts is love. In placing chapter 13 between chapter 12 and 14, Paul is not offering an alternative to spiritual gifts, he's offering an ideal. Gifts are a dynamic display of love in action. 1 Corinthians 14, we are to excel in gifts that build up the church. And it tells in 1 Corinthians 14, as you think we've got, the prophetic gift is limited to strengthening, encouragement and comfort. All positive, nothing negative here. Strengthening, encouragement and comfort. Ephesians 5, instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Spirit keep being filled. And out of that will flow rivers of living water, as the woman at the well found. Thus spake Jesus of the Spirit. Strengthening means to build a house in, in Greek. Encouragement, call to encourage a runner in a race. Hey, come on, you can do it. That's what encouragement is all about. Comfort, to speak gently and tenderly to. Gretel and I were in a, and I'm nearly finished, Gretel and I were in a church in Pennsylvania. And um, it was, uh, let me shorten the story as quickly as I can. A man stood up in the church service in the middle of worship and said something like this. Your worship is an abomination to me, says the Lord. Um, you're not, Steph, you're not from Pennsylvania, are you? All right, I'll save then. Um, uh, your worship is an abomination to me, says the Lord. If you don't behave yourself, I'll remove my candlestick from this place. So the, the, leader, the leader of the worship said, oh, sing another song. So they sang another song, and then this guy got up again. Again, remember, this is totally out of line, it's for, and that needs dealing with straight away, not singing another song, deal with it. It's not in line with scripture. And so he gets up again and he says, thus saith the Lord, I have gone. And he walked out. Are you all right? It's okay, you can laugh, you know, it really is okay, you can laugh in church. And at that moment, a young man in the congregation got up. Now, this young man, shall we just say, was a bit slow in learning. But you know what I mean. I'd have, a few years ago, I'd have said something a bit rude to me. You can't say things. Even I am learning. There are certain things you can't say. Yes, I need applause for that, David. Thank you. Um, this young man got up and uh, occasionally got up and said something outrageous. Sometimes the language was not all that good, but he said it anyway. And they loved him because he was a dear, dear young man. He gets up in the middle of the service and says, well, all I can say is, if God's gone, who the hell's speaking? And the pastor then got up, as he probably should have done earlier, and said, well, we don't always agree with what our young brother says, but on this occasion, he's got a real valid point. So who was speaking? Who is speaking? If it's not the Holy Spirit, it must be another spirit. It can only be three things. It can either be the operation of the Holy Spirit, it can either be ourself, 
That's okay with the limitations if we've got a genuine desire to bless someone. So it's the Holy Spirit, it's ourselves, or it's, a, it's an evil spirit. So it must be one thing or the other, and we should reject those things that are not of God. Finally, and very quickly, look outward in everything you do. Jesus said, you will receive power, and you will be my witness. And I say we have no right to claim the promise of the power of Pentecost unless we accept the commitment of Pentecost. It is, given, it is a gift that is given to reach the lost, to reach those out there. And the church has gone through various phases in its existence. It went through a phase in my youth when it was all about reaching out. It was always about powerful service. And the, the gifts of the Spirit, such as they were, were not worthy of the genius of the Holy Spirit, really. And um, then we moved into the charismatic renewal, where even the preaching of the word was relegated to second place, and the worship seemed to go on interminably. And uh, it was just, the gifts of the Spirit were flowing, but there was not much room for anything else to happen. And then we, we have, and still are, for some reasons, limited to our program. Now, there are reasons, I, I don't go into detail now, there are reasons to have a program. God's done like things, God does like things done decently and in order. That's what the Bible says. But those of you who lead services must, should, ought to, and those of you who do other parts of the service, Always be open to what the Holy Spirit says that takes you out of your program and doesn't limit the Holy Spirit to what the way your program. Well, give me that sheet of paper there. I mean, some churches I visit, you know, it's down to the minute what happens on the program. It's okay to have an idea. You've got to have a framework in which to build. But listen, that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do sometimes to tear up the program and to welcome in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Randy. Amen. Let's quiet ourselves. Let's quiet ourselves before the Lord. One thing that I wanted to take out of what was said. I think God wants to do that now. Take the lid off. If you're aware of any lid or cap that's keeping you from God filling you, that the Holy Spirit won't be just on the outside, touching you from one time to the other, but you're filled. You're filled so that you can flow. That you can pour from what the Holy Spirit is filling you with, himself, onto others. If you're aware of a cap or a lid, just bring that to the Lord. Tell him, help me with that. I want that cap off. I want that lid off. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you my heart. I give you control.
I want your will, not my will.